Hi there. Thanks for listening to the SCF Student Ministry Podcast, a podcast where we try and keep our students within our ministry uh, informed and up to date, where we try and communicate with the parents what's happening, and as well, really let the audience know, whoever you are, wherever you are, uh, let you know what's going on here at Sable Christian Fellowship Student Ministry, located in wonderful Sable Beach, Ontario. Right now, I'm recording this in my car as it is Easter weekend and there's a lot going on and I'm trying to multitask. And so, wanted to bring you up to speed with what happened in this episode. In this episode, we wrapped up the series called Awkward Conversations. We, we talked uh, in week five. This week, we talked on the fifth direction in which we should pray, uh, which is to our left. And so, uh, I challenged the students and the leaders and even myself uh, about what that means and what that look, look, looks like. And so uh, thank you for listening. And I hope, we hope that you gain something from this, that you learn something uh, and that you walk away from this episode, uh, hopefully, honestly, closer to Jesus. And that's all we can hope for and pray for. So thanks for listening. And uh, I'll catch up with you right after this uh, message. Have any of you taken CPR training before? Have any of you done that before? I will buy you a lunch anywhere you want if you go do CPR training and do that scene with a video recording. That'd be, oh. And I have to go home and watch The Office all night long and binge watch because now I'm hooked. Um, many of us have sat through, or some of us, many of us, whatever, we sat through CPR training of some nature. In the very least, if you've ever flown on a plane, you sat through the most boring demonstration, usually the most boring demonstration of safety training, the whole buckle, buckle your seatbelt and put a mask on and find the nearest exit. Uh, and for the most part, we usually ignore it, don't we? We ignore first aid training, especially on an airplane, because we've, we've heard it time and time again. Whenever I fly, I, I, I read the, the, the Sky Mall magazine for the millionth time because they don't change it every, they only change it every so often. Um, but I usually don't pay attention to it because you hear it over and over and over again. We just don't take it seriously. The odds of, ha- of something happening to us, um, seems, it seems so small and we just kind of shrug it off. Matt was, went through CPR first aid training here a little while ago and... Was it, was it enjoyable? Did you pay attention? Hopefully you paid attention, but because we paid for it. Um, did, did, you, did, you, what, did you zone out ever? Was it boring at some points? But you can be honest, it's fine. He really liked the course. He is an oddball. Rebecca, yes. You've taken it three times, and by the third time, you could probably teach it more, more than likely. Uh, the odds of, of needing to use what we learn over and over and over again, specifically with the CPR stuff, it seems small, and so we shrug it off. When I was about nine years old, um, does anyone know where Comber, Ontario is? Wow. Does anyone care where Comber is? No. Uh, Comber, Ontario is a small village uh, near my hometown of Kingsville, and that's where my grandma lived, my dad's mom. And I can remember going there one, one night, and we were all doing a family thing, whatever. And on the table, on our kitchen table, um, were Werther's and Mints, the typical grandma kind of deal. And then on another small bowl were, were these very colorful little, um, well, they looked like candy. They were tablets. Uh, little, they looked like M&Ms, really. Yellows and blues and, and pinky reds kind of thing. And... Um, 
they I, I, at that age I was I food was food so who cares what it was I didn't care it, I, it's whatever it was it seemed so small and insignificant that I didn't care and so I, I remember taking these pills well they'll now you know they're pills I remember taking these things and grandma walking in probably I don't know 10 minutes later and looking at the table and being like oh where are my pills and I didn't know what they were. I thought they were candy. So I don't know where they are. And mom and dad started freaking out and eventually came to the knowledge that I had taken these pills and they were heart pills. And eight-year-olds are not supposed to take heart pills. I don't know what it, it was. It does to my grandma, but it doesn't supposed, it's not supposed to do whatever it does to her to an eight-year-old. And so my parents freaked out and they called the hospital and an ambulance was on the way and they didn't know it. And eventually they got the, the, the information that it was going to be okay and I'm not in too much danger and and everything else. I shrugged it off. I didn't think that taking a yellow, little tiny yellow, say that 10 times fast, a yellow tiny little thing was a big deal. Why would it be a big deal? My parents did not shrug it off. They were worried. Like I said, they called the ambulance and the hospital and doctors and everything else. That little tiny pill could have been a huge deal. It could have been life-changing for me in that moment. In a way, I feel like this series that we've been working on in the last five weeks, this is the last week, I feel like this is kind of how this whole series has been. And I hope this whole series that we've been going through week by week by week has been, I'm hoping, life-changing in some way. Maybe not a major life change, but maybe, maybe just a small, in the terms we use, a small seed has been planted. And you've been hearing things and you've been experiencing things. Uh, two weeks ago, we did scripture memorization, encouraging you, a small group and individuals, to memorize scripture. And last week, I asked, how are you guys doing with it? And some said, you know, 25% were doing okay. And some said 75% and others were doing better. And it is what it is. But hopefully that has been helping you to learn more about prayer and just simply talking to God because that's what prayer is. Last week, we... Um, we handed out popsicle sticks and asked you to pray for each other. How did we do with that? I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if you weren't here, then obviously you can't answer. But if you were, I see a thumbs up. Awesome. How did we do with that? Did you pray at least once a day for the popsicle sticks and the, and the names written on it and the, and the situations written on it? Did you pray for them at least once a day? Once a week. Let's go with once a week. I'm seeing some nods. I'd like to see a lot more engagement. I'm seeing some, some thumbs up. I'm seeing thumbs sideways. That's good. A simple tool of writing your name and a prayer request on a popsicle stick, but hopefully it helped the people sitting around you to remember you during that week and pray for you. I had a conversation with a student today. I won't mention his name, but his name's Jackson, and we were going through the last five weeks, and I asked him, I said, do you remember what the last five weeks were about? What are the different directions of prayer that we've been talking about? Does anyone else... He, he did okay. Does anyone else maybe remember what the five directions, or sorry, the four directions of prayer that we've been talking on? Anyone want to take a stab and try and remember what they were? No, I'll tell you anyways, but I thought I'd see if people want to talk to me. Up, down, left, right, and forwards. Good job. So first week was, was prayers that go up, prayers that talk about praising God and glorifying God and just basically in the simplest way, thanking God, bottom line. Prayers that go down are prayers of confession. God, I'm sorry for, and then fill in the blank. We all, I hate to break the news to everybody who thinks that, that you might be perfect, but we all sin, we all screw up, we all hurt each other and ourselves, we all hurt our relationship with God. And we need, we need to pray prayers that go down or prayers of confession and, and make things right. 
We talk about prayers that go forward, not just praying for tomorrow and maybe the test you have or the exam or maybe, you know, that someone special is sitting uh, near you and you want to, you know, ask him out to whatever tomorrow. But we pray for our tomorrows. We pray for our future. We pray for our schooling and our career and our future family. And we pray down the road. And God has a plan for each of us. And in our prayers that go forward, pray that God's plan is revealed to us, whatever that is. And whether you're in grade... 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, or 11, or 12, or past that, you can still learn and discover what God has for you, whatever that is. Speaking of grade fives and sixes, I'll take this time to make a quick little announcement. Uh, if you're in grade, currently in grade six, five or six, will you, really? <laughs> Man, you, you are matured greatly. <laughs> For being grade five or six. If you're in grade five or six, can you just raise your hand? I don't want to embarrass anybody, but raise your hand so we know who you are. Or, no, I don't want to make them. They'll stand up later on. Just one? Well, you're saying that because that's your sister. Uh, so for the next few weeks, next number of weeks until summer, I've invited the, the, the future grade sixes. So currently, future grade sixes and seven. So if they're currently in grade five or six, I've invited them to come check us out because starting in September, they're going to be part of us. And so, uh, welcome, do I say her name? Yeah. It's on a recording, it's going to go on the internet everywhere. Welcome, Jovi, to SEF students, happy to have you, thanks for joining us. Her brother is, she, he's ecstatic that you're here right now. He is so full of joy and excitement and love for his dear sister, aren't you? Yeah, I know, I saw the eye roll too. So prayers that go forward talk about our future. Prayers uh, that go to the right. That's another direction that we talked about. It talks about those that are, are closest to, to us, those that are in our inner circle. But it also focuses on the uh, praying for our fellow believers, our fellow Christians. Praying, and, and last, I think it was last week. My mind is a jumble right now because of Easter weekend coming up. But I believe it was last week or the week before. We, played, we prayed for our leaders. We prayed for our, was it last week? We prayed for our small group leaders. Praying to our, our right talks about those that are praying. We're praying for those that are closest to us. They're our buddy buddies. They're our leaders. They're our friends. They're our, our small group, our community. Tonight, we're, we're going to briefly talk about praying to our left. And what does that look like? And what does that mean? What we're talking about tonight matters. And if you don't usually pay attention on a Wednesday night, if you tend to zone out, I'm going to ask you to trust me for about 10 minutes and listen and pay attention. It's going to be a short talk. I'm not going to be up here long. Jake has a game plan later on, which is going to be amazing. So good. But just listen for 10 minutes. Because tonight is more important than a CPR video with Dwight, Dwight Schrute. Tonight is more important than a, an airplane safety instruction chat that you may or may not pay attention to. Tonight is about life and death, bottom line. And wherever you stand when it comes to heaven and hell, this is a church, even though it's a gym, it's a church. And we're a faith-based organization. And we talk about heaven and hell. And tonight depends, or tonight talks about heaven and hell. Tonight talks about your eternity and the people that you go to school with and their eternity and what that could look like. Tonight is our last night about talking about having awkward conversations, as the screen says, with God, with Jesus. 
And if you haven't taken hold of what we've been talking about so far tonight, I, I'm asking you, I don't usually do this, but I'm begging you to grab hold of this and understand what the bottom line is, what the message is. Because it matters, and it matters for a lifetime. It matters forever. And if you've heard this before, because maybe you've grown up in the church, then I want you to take the mindset, take the, take the attitude, take the understanding that you're hearing this for the first time. And so don't zone out. Matthew 9.35 says this, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in synagogues or teaching in churches and announcing the good news about the kingdom. He healed every kind of disease and illness. This is how we picture, this is how we tend to picture Jesus traveling through the countryside, teaching and preaching and healing. Teaching, preaching, healing. Teaching and healing. This is, this, all through Matthew chapter 9, if we go back to read chapter 8, this is what we see, that Jesus heals and he teaches and he heals and he teaches and it's back and forth and over and over and over again. And that's important. I'm not trying to downplay it, but we need to continue on to verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus saw the crowds and had compassion on them. I want that to, just to sink in just for a little bit. The cool thing about the world we live in is that there's a lot of things that are universal. Each culture has their own language and traditions and, and understandings and beliefs and, and everything else. But at the end of the day, at the very end of it, emotion is a universal thing. You can speak completely different languages, which sometimes I feel like I speak different languages just to anybody else, but because my brain is wacky. You can speak completely different languages, but if I see Jake Murray cry, and if I see sadness on his face, it's pretty clear that I can understand what he's feeling. If I see someone smile and laugh and being happy, whether they speak the same English language as I do, it's pretty clear that I can understand what they're expressing. If you've gotten to know me over the last year, uh, maybe you've experienced this. I, I can be an emotional person in both the good ways and the bad ways. I can be wacky and crazy and happy and silly, and then I can wear my heart on my sleeve and be really um, uh, sad sometimes, or I can um, show my anger too much, just to be simply honest with you. I'm, I'm an emotional guy. That's how I'm wired. When I get happy, uh, it, it's hopefully evident when I get angry, I'm working on that, but sometimes that's evident. Road rage is, a, is an angry moment in my life that I'm working on. Yeah, you know that, Matt. Be quiet. When I have to wait for my food at a restaurant, I, my emotion gets the best of me, and I sometimes get upset about that. No, I don't. I'm not, I'm not rude. But I am, I very honestly, I tend to be, on, on, the, on the personality type of thing, I tend to be an emotional kind of person. We watched a clip from The Office. Lovely office. I'll watch it over, I'll watch the entire series, all nine seasons, over and over and over again. But what got to me the first time I watched it, the first, uh, first time this, I watched the series, we get to episode, or series, uh, season nine, and the very end of it, and you can tell it's wrapping up and everything else, and I didn't cry, I'll be on the record, I didn't cry, <laughs> but I got emotional. Because you shared life with these people on TV, real or not, whatever the case is, you shared life with these people. Anyone with me? Like when you watch a TV series and the, it, it shows and you're just like, oh, 
Jim and Pam forever they should have been together and now they are and life is good and okay so some are with me again I never cried I know someone in the church that every time they watch a movie they cry sometimes I won't mention their name will I Jackson it's not Jackson by the way <laughs> is that is that compassion though when I get sad about a, a TV series ending or a movie scene or whatever, is that compassion absolutely not it's sadness I'm feeling sad uh, for maybe a good reason or maybe a dumb reason. Who knows? Compassion, though, is different. We're talking about Matthew chapter 9 when Jesus had compassion on the crowds. Compassion is more than sadness. It's this heart-wrenching, my heart goes out to somebody kind of feeling. I wish I could do something to help them kind of desire and feeling. Compassion is a brokenness over a situation and a deep desire for it to get better. I shared... Um, uh, with Jackson earlier on today that uh, I told the story of me driving by uh, a guy hitchhiking and I'm not trying to puff myself up and be like, oh, look at me. I picked up, picked up a hitchhiker, which you should never do unless you feel safe. Um, but I picked up this hitchhiker because he was walking along and I drive past him all the time. He's always just walking. And this one day, it was, it was a few weeks ago, it was raining like crazy and he was, you could just tell that he was, he just he needed help. I drove by and I looked at my rearview mirror and no one else was stopping and no one else was stopping. And so I spun around and picked him up and had this, honestly, my heart goes out to him kind of feeling. I picked him up and I had my phone ready to call somebody in case something happened because you never know. I shared I can be an emotional person, good or bad. I'm not always compassionate though. I sometimes have this attitude that everything happens for a reason. And sometimes that reason is you're just dumb and you made a dumb mistake sort of idea. That's not very compassionate. I need to start having the eyes and mind and heart of Jesus and having that compassion. And I don't think I'm the only one that needs that. I think we all need that. Some of you may be like me where you... You know, you don't have that much. You have some, but not a lot. And some of you maybe feel a lot of compassion for others. Either way, wherever we land, if we're going to call ourselves Christians and if we're going to live by the faith that we say we have, we need to become like Jesus. And Jesus had compassion for those far from him. Matthew chapter 9, we just read it. He's going from town to town and he's, he's teaching and then he's performing miracles and healing and he looks and sees people and he has compassion on them. He doesn't know these people. In the grand scheme of things, he doesn't, he doesn't spend time with them like he does with his, his 12 buddies, his 12 disciples. He knows those guys very well. But the people that he sees compassion on, he doesn't know them. But yet he cares for them and he loves them. I think Jesus had compassion on the people that he saw because at the end of the day, he saw the end. We just see bad decisions, bad decisions and consequences. He saw hell and he saw eternal separation from God and, and it moved him to have compassion on those people. I think if we really understood it, if we really got a picture of what hell looked like and what evil really does to a person, it would change us. I would hope that anyways. I would like to think that if we got a clear understanding of what eternity really was and what hell looked like, I would like to think it would keep us up at night out of fear and worry 
and compassion. I like to think that we'd have the compassion that Jesus had. Jesus had compassion because he saw the end. He knew where those people were headed. Guys, we need to know how all of this ends. We can't sit back in our cushy chairs and say, I'm all set, I don't need to worry about anything because I'm a Christian and Jesus loves me. That's not what we're called to do. How does this all end? Either you're with Jesus or you're apart from him forever. The question is, do we live like we believe that? Again, I said this last week and the week before. I think the week before, definitely last week. I'm not asking you to step on a, on a soapbox or step on a, on a chair at school and start waving your Bible and be the next Billy Graham. I'm not saying that. But the bottom line of all this is you have friends, maybe even best friends, and you have classmates and you have people that you rub shoulders with day in and day out. And you have teammates in your, on, in your sports teams. And you have club mates that you hang out with between music and drama and everything else. And you have coworkers that you work with. And maybe you have family members. Am I hitting close to home yet? You have all these people in your circle. And you have all these people in your life who don't know who Jesus is. And let me stop right there and say this. If you don't tonight, if you don't know Jesus, like I do, like your leaders do, like some of you do, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't, if you don't have a relationship with him, if you're not close to him, if, you, if you're sitting there saying, man, I don't really know what you're talking about, then come talk to me afterwards. Don't go play the game. Let's sit up here later on and have a chat. This isn't a guilt trip. This isn't me saying, you need to know who Jesus is or you're going to go to hell forever. No, this is me looking at you that are saying, yes, I'm a Christian. I'm a faith-filled person. I'm looking at you and saying, we need to start living our faith and we need to have compassion on those we don't know and we need to share the gospel with them, however that looks in your context. But I will guarantee you, each of us have someone that we rub shoulders with, that we spend time with, that we go to school, go to work, live with that doesn't know Jesus. And what if, this is a big what if, but what if they will never know Jesus because you never said something? That's not a guilt trip. It's a truth. It's a possibility. What if they don't know who Jesus is because they're watching you and they know that you go to church and they know that you go to Wednesday nights and they know everything else and they're waiting to see if you have compassion and they're waiting to see if you have the love that Jesus gives you and the joy that he gives you and the peace and the patience and every other fruit of the spirit that you may or may not have heard. Do we live like we believe it? Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 9. He said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Jesus says to pray. He says in the midst of the brokenness, in the midst of the evil, in the midst of what looks like hopelessness, to pray and pray for workers. Pray that God will send somebody to those that need him those that need compassion. He says, pray for people who will live like Jesus, share the truth of Jesus, and love like Jesus. But here's a, here's a, a small, tiny twist. 
while you pray for God to send workers out and, and be compassionate and love like Jesus and everything else, what if you are that worker? What if you are that person to go to your class or your school or your job or your home or your club or your team or whatever? What if God is sending you? You've got to pray. And you have to pray for the people who know, you know who are helpless and lost and separated from Jesus. Yes, pray for them. Stop for a second. We, I did this last week. I want to do this again. Let's stop for a second. Close your eyes. Put down whatever's distracting us. I, I want to make sure I'm, I'm hitting the target here. I want to make sure that I'm not off base. Close your eyes. I've just, for the last five minutes, I've been explaining and describing somebody, hopefully, I'm, I'm assuming, in your community, in your circle around you. Home, work, school, clubs, teams, family, wherever. In this moment, if a name or a face popped in your head, without everyone else looking around, just if you are looking around, just look down. Raise your hands if somebody, a name or a face popped in your head. That's almost everybody. That tells me that maybe, you can look, maybe you are that worker. Maybe God is sending you to go talk to them, to go be Jesus to them, to show compassion to them. Yes, pray for them. You know them better than I do, and you know, based off of the hands raised and the names and faces that kind of popped in your head, you know maybe their situation and their needs and whatever else. And so, yes, pray for them. Pray that Jesus will, will move in their lives, will work in their lives. Pray that Jesus will show himself to them. Pray, pray to God that he'll send people into their lives. But maybe that's you. Two quick things and then I'm going to wrap up. First of all, everyone is separated from God. Everyone separated from God is confused and helpless. If you're not separated, obviously you're not confused and helpless. Everyone separated is confused and helpless. And not all evil and sin look the same. Sometimes sin, sometimes those separated from God uh, reveal their sin or show their sin by drugs and sex and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes it's pride and arrogance. Oh, he said sex in church. Sometimes it's pride and arrogance. Sometimes uh, it's, it shows itself by being consumed by fear and loneliness and doubt. Sometimes it's thinking that you have life figured out without God. Either way, sin breaks us and sin separates us. And we have to be faithful to pray for the people in our life who need Jesus, no matter how helpless or how confused or how lonely and dark they may look on the outside. Second thing is this, Jesus calls us to pray for the lost people in our life. But if you do, and if you allow truth to lead you to compassion, and compassion to move you to prayer, something else will probably happen. Matthew chapter 10, go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. If you pray for the lost, expect God to give you the opportunity to share with them. It's a dangerous prayer, praying to our left. 
I'm going to say that again. If you pray for the lost, expect God to give you, as I look around the room and try and make eye contact with everybody, expect God to give you the opportunity to share God with them. You pray. He'll give you the opportunity, the courage, the words, the wisdom, the discernment, the timing. At the end of it all, it's really simple. God is life, and you have the answer that they're looking for. What's the answer? God is life. There is a crowd outside those, not literally right, right outside those doors right now, that'd be awesome, but there's a crowd and there's a world and there's a community and there's a school and there's a workplace and there's a home outside those doors that when you leave here tonight, you may go back into. And it's a crowd and it's a community that desperately needs to hear who Jesus is to you. And again, I cannot be more blunt as well as loving but I can't be more honest and say this. If you don't know who Jesus is, if you haven't experienced Jesus, then either come talk to me or come talk to your small groups, but don't leave this building tonight. Actually, you know what? Uh, no, I won't do that. I want to make it very clear. Your small group leaders are ready to talk to you if you need them. I'm ready to come talk to you if you need it. But don't leave here with questions or doubts. Don't leave here on the fence. If you're searching and if you're, if you're, if you're on the path to discover and if you want to know more, that's great. But don't leave here being like, no, I'm good. Leave here wanting to know more. But those of us that are like, yep, I'm on Team Jesus, Yeehaw. Are we showing? I'm trying to add some humor to a serious bit. It's not working so much. Are we living what we believe? Are we showing the compassion that has been shown to us? Are we showing that to the world around us? Will you pray that God would open their eyes and ears and save them from an eternity apart from them? I think we can all do that. Will you allow yourself to possibly be the one to share that compassion and love with them? All right, let's pray. Dear Jesus, tonight has been a little bit of a heavier night. But God, we need to hear the truth and we need to hear the, uh, the reality that there are people around us in our, in our life, in every aspect of it, that don't know who you are. And God, first of all, as we've heard tonight, we pray for them. God, each of them, everyone that came to our mind, they're in different places right now. Some are at home, some are at work, some, who knows where they all are. But God, right now in this moment, at 8.16 p.m., we pray that you touch them. You speak to them. May they maybe understand it, not understand it. Who knows? But God, may you touch them right now and start to lead them toward Jesus. And God, I pray for each of us here in this room. May we leave here tonight praying for them, but may we also pray that you give us the words that we need, the wisdom we need, the compassion that we must have in order to reach out to them. 
God, I thank you for each and every student here. I pray that you give them the power and the courage to be the representative that you've called us to be. Not so that we grow and become this amazing group, but God, that people will meet you and that their lives will be changed. Pray us all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so that wraps up our series on Awkward Conversations. We look forward to the next episode, the extra episode, where we have special guests. Uh, We talk about random things. We answer questions from students. uh, And uh, just, again, inform the students, the parents, leaders, and the general audience of our ministry. So thanks so much for listening. And until next time, we'll see you later.